Good morning, marketers, and welcome to the If You Market podcast brought to you by Mountaintop Data. We are the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. I'm Sky Cassidy, and today we'll be talking with Chris Ward about personal efficiency. Chris is an author, podcaster, coach, speaker, and team building and system strategist. Thanks for coming on the show today, Chris. I am pumped to be here, Sky. Can't wait to dive in. Now, I'm not going to pretend this didn't happen. For the podcast listeners, we started this show and, and, and didn't record it. So now we're starting over. So you don't need <laughs> to share your dirty laundry. Right out there and say, not going to pretend that not happened. <laughs> it, it, it did. Um, but fascinating subject, personal efficiency. Chris wrote a book on this. So no problem going over the same topic a couple of times. Um, let's, go, let's, let's do this again here, Chris. Can you say win the hour, win the day? What does that mean? Yeah. So I think as business owners, entrepreneurs, and really anybody in life, what happens is I know for, I did this for many years, you have this idea like, oh, you've got this whole day ahead of you. You're going to get so much stuff done. Right. And this vastness, and then you get off, you know, you get derailed and you really don't know what happened at the end of the day. You're like, oh, you know, and we just dive in with, I had 20 tasks and I got one of them done. What happened? Yeah, because so many things. So let's break it down. You definitely, if you win the hour, you can win the day. And there's things that we can do to put in play for you that make sure that happens. And we tend to lean into three things. We lean into your team, your time, and what we call your super toolkits. And those three things are the pillar to success on any level. And they're the three pillars. I would also argue success isn't just about revenue. Success is about having evenings and weekends off and starting your workday refreshed and leaving Mm. fresh. That made me think you say win the hour, win the day. Where do you come down on an eight hour versus a 12 hour workday? I don't believe 12 hours serves you in your best of intention. Studies show that the brain just fatigues after that. First of all, we actually studies show we really have about four hours of productivity inside of us, right? And so that's best served in what you deem to be an eight hour day, but it's really not even eight hour day. So you're getting diminishing returns on your investment when you bleed into 12 hours. Right. I think the uh, bragging about how little sleep you get and how much you work is going the way of the open office space and so many of these other kind of cool ideas um, that uh, we eventually find out don't really work that well. Not having any meetings. um, There's all these things. And it's like, no, no, we people kind of knew what they were doing for a while there. Uh, I know you came up with a hip new diet for businesses, but. mm. Yeah. I mean, I think what happened, I remember saying this to my mother once who knew I would have to learn to stop working so hard. I mean, that's the biggest compliment we all get. (laughs) Oh, she's a hard worker. Oh, he's a hard worker. Oh, he really puts his back into it, whatever. But how much did you get done? Yeah. Yeah. Well, more than that is I know for myself, and I talk about this in the book, I mean, I am a recovering Russiaholic. So my answer to everything was racing time. And so many people out there, your listeners, and I know I did this. I got a lot done in a day. I was the go-to person for a lot of people. So that gave me the false sense of if I couldn't get it done, there was just too much to get done. And people would talk to me about, you know, productivity or efficiency or having a team or all these things that I talk about in my book, when they are, when the day, but I just said, no, no, you don't get it. I get a lot done done. And so that gives you the false sense of empowerment. Sometimes people will say to me, but Chris, I'm not organized. I can't join your winner's circle or anything. And I'd say, yeah, organized people like myself, sometimes really that's like, if you can imagine a screw in a wall and you're just stripping the screw with a screwdriver going tighter and tighter, what Mm. happens is you're not changing the structure. You're just reorganizing yourself. I also feel like it's almost like saying, um, uh, look, uh, Chris, I, I don't, I have a drug problem, so I can't join your rehab. 
Yeah, like, uh, I'm not. I'm I'm not organized. I don't have time to join your thing. You're like, but this this is what you. It's it's exactly what you need. Um, is the title to me when the hour win the day says, and I hate. I'm sorry, listeners. We don't do like like book dig-ins, but the topic is related to her new book. So, and I'm going to reference it a couple times. I'm sure throughout the show. Um, it seems to imply to me that this is about doing, um, you know, what they call in software development sprints or something like that, where you're saying mm-hmm. chop the stuff up into chunks. Well, yes and no. And two things, I want to unpack something really smart you said just a moment ago. And this is a thing I get all the time. Uh, the entrepreneurs that I tend to work with best, they've been in business at least five years and no one person knows how many hours they're working because they're, you know, doing more work after the kids go to bed and they're getting up earlier before their family. So, you know, I don't clock in and out. (laughs) No. And they're always stealing time to me at one point in my life in what I call the dark years. If it wasn't work, it was an interruption to work. And I was a recovering Russiaholic, just always trying to get like an addict, one more email in and get one more thing done. Oh, yeah. And that time is when I woke up in the middle of the night and just couldn't sleep for some reason. It's like, well, let me go to my desk and do some well, work. Well, I'm wasting time, right? Yeah. I was actually <laughs> so like, awesome. I'm wide awake. I can get, go get something done. <laughs> okay. Bear with me now. I always tell three stories at the same time. I will tell you that my husband sat me down at an intervention because I had was doing that way back in the beginning when I started my business. And reportedly, when you get up and work from two to four o'clock in the morning because you're awake anyhow, it does not make you the most charming individual the next day. <laughs> so we had a policy that I he said, you cannot fall back to sleep sitting up in front of a computer. That doesn't happen. So he was strict that no matter what happens, you do not get out of bed. So here's the dark part of the story. He would get up. If he got up in the middle of the night, to use the bathroom. He checked my feet. And if my feet were cold, he'd known I had been out of bed. <laughs> so I was like wow. getting audited. He's doing the like, check the hood of the car. To see yes. Yes. So that was how bad it was for me at one point. But something <laughs> else you said earlier, and I want to tap into this for a second is sometimes I'll have people know, like, Chris, I want to work with you in the winter circle. And we have this winter circle. So it's very affordable and accessible to all different levels of business, very small investment. And they'll say, but you know what? Ah, I just hit a little thing. I was so busy in my business that I, I know I didn't go out and get new business. And this happens all the time. You get busy with the business and then you're, you don't have a regular thing coming in and now it dries up and you're panicking. You need more business. Okay, great. Okay. They say, I'll come back. Couple months later, I hear from them. Oh, Chris, I got all this new business. This is great, but now I'm really busy onboarding them. I got to catch up because of the new business and these new clients. I can't drop the ball. I really need new this business. I'm busy again. Do you not Let see me what's interrupt happening? And see, I, I always <laughs> feel like when people say that, I'm like, okay, well, you have a hiring problem then, because if you're raking in so much money that you don't have time to rake it all in, then you need to hire some more rakers. Like you need to stop raking and get some people to do some of this stuff. When people say they have too much business to do X, Y, Z. Too much onboarding is not too much business. So then they can't, they don't have systems in place like our super toolkit that you could then anything can happen and you can compress it and move on to the next thing. Or having someone else that does the onboarding, like, Maybe well, that's part of the super, that's part of the super toolkits is the efficiency. If you can do it once, you should be able to do it 50 times. Like I could literally take 50 new clients in a week because we have the super toolkit and the super toolkit is all about, we had talked earlier, you know, about the difference between that and standard operating procedures. SOPs are 
static in nature, not written by the end user and usually meant to cover liability. Where the super toolkit, the sole thing aside from efficiency is to compress the workload because you should be in execution mode 60% of the time, not trapped in the web of admin because there's always going to be something else, Sky. You're always going to, I want to write that book. I want to write right. the second book. I want to do this. I want to do that. So any new adventure or new ambition you have is going to create a workflow and that can't be the new thing dominating your calendar. You have to be able to do that, compress it, move on to the next. Hmm. Now you mentioned something earlier. I think it was in the first non-recording, but um, you were talking about the personal bottlenecks and how yeah. a lot of the small business people and they're really busy. And it's because there's a dozen things that only they can do. They think, um, or they th well, and maybe yeah. right now only they can do because they just haven't shown anyone else. And are they usually holding on to those things because that it's like, oh, this defines me. I'm the one who can do this or it's just they haven't realized they can train somebody else and delegate it. That is a spectacular point. So what happens is we have our zone of genius. And what happens is we sometimes misunderstand what's attached to that. I have zone a zone of above averageness, but some okay. people have a zone of a genius. Yeah. <laughs> So you're a zone of above averages. Sometimes we attach things to that, that we think are connected, which are not. Okay. So quick example would be one of my clients. She's an interior designer. She's an interior designer. And she said to me, Chris, you don't understand. I walk into a room. I just see the room differently and I move stuff around and clients love it. They don't have to buy big pieces of furniture. It just is what it is. This is how I see the world. Right. I can't delegate that out. I said, okay, fine. Everybody tells me their business is different. I get it. So through working with her, we first looked at her appointments are about two hours long. And then through processes of working through, we started to see that there were things that could be done pre-appointment and post-appointment that were repetitive and were more administrative and that she did have a formula for. She just was in her head. It was intrinsic. And so we started making that into a super toolkit. So cut to moving the story forward, all of a sudden her two-hour appointments are now on average 40 to 55 minutes. Right. So then she takes all these appointments and now she does them in the mornings. And then in the afternoon, she's doing very big speaking gigs with people from HGTV and all this stuff. And she's going to start a book and a podcast. But she was like, no, you don't get it. I'm the designer. Now, to so even if you have a, a, a job, your average job, people pretend like there's things only they can do. And there's probably not. They can delegate almost. But if you're um, Pablo Picasso then, okay, there are things that you personally have to do, you know, there um, is always. you can outsource, yeah. you can have personalist, multiple personal assistants to handle many other things still. Um, but most jobs, most everything you do can be delegated out. There is a huge amount of shrinkage that we could take. Even a brain surgeon has pre and post work that they don't have to do. Right. And you talk about systems. Well, I don't have the time to sit down and create all these systems. Well, I would argue, even if you did, those systems wouldn't work. I mean, because part of using super toolkits is to cue them, create, use, and edit them. Well, I'd and almost you, say then hire an assistant to create them. Like, I don't have a time to write a book. Great. Get a ghostwriter to follow you around and take you talk to them. Fantastic like, point. So what I would tell you is this is the biggest complaint I get all the time. Chris, I hired somebody and it didn't work out. So I hired somebody else and it didn't work out. And I started paying more and more and they didn't come with the systems. They can't parent up sky. They can't come into your business and parent up. Hmm. But when you start working with us, say in the winner's circle, 
We can do baby steps where I'll say, oh, you have to do this every day. Then just create a loom. Your VA can type out the steps. We can turn it into a super toolkit. But if you think you're going to hire someone that's going to come in and manage you and they're going to come with these systems, that is a number one complaint I hear all the time. It's not going to happen. That's not their job. You're their superior. You're the visionary. They're not going to say to you, Sky, get it together. How many times do we have to tell you to do this? Here are the steps. And here's why I think you should do it. That's not how the world works. You might occasionally, but you have to like go look on Craigslist for somebody that calls themselves the wolf. And then that and they won't last. Will Harvey Keitel will come in and he will tell you exactly what you need to do now. And at one point you'll say, I don't work for you. I've had That's enough. Not my yeah. vision. <laughs> That's not my vision. And you're going to butt heads and you have the senior hand and they're going to be gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's tough to have someone to hire someone to manage you as the boss. Good luck. Can't parent up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, excellent. Um, is there an aspect here of multitasking? Is that something um, that's real? Is that something that has some place in time? So multitasking is an absolutely fantastic tool to use if you're looking to stress yourself out, overwhelm yourself, or make a lot of mistakes. So if you need to stress yourself like in order to like a workout, like a mental workout. Zagarnik effect. (laughs) What happens is your brain has all those unfinished concepts in your head. That's where you get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. You're walking to the bathroom. You go, Oh my gosh, I forgot to do whatever. That's the Zagarnik effect. And that's because you are multitasking. And there really is no such a thing as multitasking. You get confused with the fact that, you know, you can chew gum and walk at the same time, but those are different parts of the brain. All you're doing is context switching. Think about it like this guy, you cannot shine a flashlight on two spots at the same time. Right, right. But you can shine it on one and that spot's good for a while and you switch over and then you can switch. So it's you can throw something in the laundry and not sit there and watch it till it's done. You but that's do different else. than workflow. You, that's so it's different. task swapping while something one thing's running. I mean, I guess it, as long as you define multitasking is I delegated this task to this person and I didn't sit and watch them till it was done. Now I went and delegated another one to another person and then I did something and then we regrouped and you're getting multiple tasks done, but you're not trying to juggle them all. Okay. So first of all, I don't use the word delegate personally, because that's a lateral move. So if you have to delegate, then what I would say is that's another thing from the corporate world. And what happens is you hire someone, you hand them work, and then you check on them like a parent, a child, a teacher, a student. And that's a lateral delegate move. Delegating is a lateral move. When we have super toolkits, the systems take care of that each person on your team, whether it's one person or three or a student, they, they really are like an engine on their own. And frankly, they manage you. My team manages me because of the super toolkits we have in play. So I'm not super them. It's not a delegating of a lateral move. Doing a laundry while you do the dishes is very different than what most people are popping in and other emails coming back to do work. And when you do that, what happens is you're using up your uh, decision fatigue and attention residue. Hmm. So you're saying like the uh, one part of the engine isn't delegating a task to the other. It's an engine that all runs together. You turn Um, the key, the car drives. Right. So the, you, you set it up, you have the pieces, they all run. Yeah. And there is an individual. Uh, I mean, it's so it sounds like that's fine for major tasks, like your major business operations. But I imagine there's there's little things that delegation still exists where you have like, oh, here's a little thing that needs to get done. I'm going to have my assistant get my dry cleaning. Um, does that have to be on like an automatic uh, type of a setup? Um, I, mean, I don't want to completely throw the word delegation out. 
Well, you can use the word delegate as all as you want. It's your ship and you can be the captain (laughs) of your ship. But I think, you know, what's happening is you're using concepts that are not work related. So even if, if you were... If you were in a situation where you do need a personal assistant, then I would still argue that they probably can pick up your laundry in a routine fashion every Monday. Um, But we're we're not comparing apples to apples when we're talking about an infrastructure that moves the business forward for higher and higher efficiency. And so delegating is a limited version of potential. I feel like I'm in rehab and you just said, look, you can smoke crack if you want to, but you here's want, the consequence. Here's what's going to happen. If you want to keep insisting, but I can just have it on holidays. Here's what's yeah. going to happen. <laughs> All right. I'll keep pushing and seeing where I can smoke that crack though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so with this, uh, with this process, the, the, win the hour, win the day book concept. Um, is there anything in there? Are, are there like specific tricks that people can do in there, specific um, thing, things that like, hey, do this instead of that or try yeah, this yeah. in order to undo something you're doing uh, that you shouldn't. Yeah. So the book is a little bit geared toward the productivity aspect of it because so many people think it's about productivity. And then when they meet me like yourself, we start having a deeper conversation. They realize it's really more about in order to not be a sufferpreneur, you need to have what I call a win team, a what is next team. So you can get to what is next and what is next. And then we lean into our super toolkits, but starting off because so many people think productivity is a problem. I will give you a couple of concepts that really, I think will change how you see things. So one is the biggest mistake most people make is they don't use their calendar as their time bank account. So what happens is you have things on your calendar that are dictated by the outside world. Like no matter how much you don't want to go to the dentist, if you need to be at the dentist Tuesday afternoon at two, you're going to be there. That's that. But you, what happens is you don't put all your work on your calendar. And so what happens is people say to me, Oh, Chris, you know, and I'm not talking about all these little things. I'm talking about our one hour blocks. Right. And they'll say, yeah, uh, but I do that every day. I know I need to do that, including email. They don't count that as work. So what happens is think about it like your car payment. If you say, oh, but my car payment comes out every month, so I don't count it, but the money's still gone. Hmm. So what I argue is you're walking into your workday and you might think you have eight hours. You maybe only have five. So right off the bat, the math is at, you know, a detriment to your success. So mapping out your day and saying, here's what I have to do will protect you when things come up, then you just move it to another day instead of going, oh my gosh, four days later in a hysterical mode, I forgot I was working on that. And then that thing happened and I got derailed. You cannot improve what you don't measure. Interesting. So you can have, I imagine on your calendar, and maybe you should particularly have an open time to get general stuff done that you haven't picked up somewhere else, but any major tasks, like, uh, I've started, I've started doing sales in my company again recently. And, um, so I have every morning, a couple hours blocked out for making calls and, and, and just doing back and forth sales activity. Um, and I found if I didn't do that, that time just disappeared with other stuff. Um, is that the kind of thing you're talking about? Well, I would encourage you to break it down into one hour increments, not a three hour block, because that will again, limit your success. So the one hour increments, you, you'd be better served to say, I do this every morning for an hour. And here's what I, maybe Monday you, or maybe the first hour you do prep of who you're going to call the second hour is the calls. And the third hour is prepping for the next day calls. I don't know, but you want to break it into one hour increments because you'll be much more responsible. If you have three hours and a phone call comes in or whatever, you're like, okay, it's fine. I got time. But if you're looking, you've been doing this for 15 minutes, you've got 30 left and something happens. You're like, 
Hmm. I'll deal with that later. Cause right now I've only got a half hour left to do this. It just keeps you on task. That's I a would really also- interesting point because I've found that I have two hours blocked out and sometimes I won't really hardly get any calls done because I have this big chunk of time. Yeah. So I just, if other things need to get done, I relax. go ahead and get to them. Yeah. And you can I'm relax like, oh, and get into it. Let me shoot out this email. Let me check email. It's like, no, no, I should be making. And if I just did it for one hour, I would have to be more disciplined because I actually have less time. And so I'd probably spend more time doing it. And then you set the timer. You say, look, I've got one hour to do that. That's it. I would also tell you that you don't need or should not have a general stuff on your calendar. You don't like, oh, here's a big hour for just loose ends. There shouldn't really be any loose ends if you have things in play. Because what I call that is call it working backwards. Too many times you're given a project, especially as a small business owner, entrepreneur, you're so excited. You got this new project, new client, and you just dive in. But what I, then you don't know when you're off the, you know, off the rail. So let's say, for example, I'm promoting the winner circle. We're going to have a big launch two months from now. And then I realize, hmm, okay, I need some videos. I need some copies. So, okay, eight weeks. You know what? I need all the videos done two weeks before that. Cause I have to go to editing. Okay. So I start working backwards and I realize through the math that I have to get those videos done next week for them then to be put here and there and boom, boom, boom. So you always want to be working backwards. So when you have, oh, I've just got free time on your calendar or an hour to do loose ends. Why do you have loose ends? There really are no loose ends in the business. It can fall into any category of your super toolkit and move forward with efficiency, like, like a car. There's no loose bolts in your car when you turn it on. If it is, it's not running well. I feel like you're blocking stuff out like a like a movie producer would or something when they're blocking out a shooting schedule for a film. And you because you could just be like, we're going to make a film. Great. We'll film on these days and then we'll do some editing. And then like then you start blocking it out and you're like, oh, holy cow, logistically, this doesn't work unless we have this. And you start you start seeing what you really need to um, what you really need to cut and schedule and how efficient you need to be. Um, and, and it, it just sounded like you're like, no, everything has to be blocked out. It sounds the problem with the way you're wording it is people then think that sounds like a whole thing on its own. But I'm what making I it would, sound uh, scary and something people don't. Yeah, do. and it's not. It's really not. So here's an example. Um, a couple of things. First of all, your, even your emails, you should say, okay, I do a half hour in the morning and half hour at night. Like you shouldn't just be popping in, trying to keep all things hopping. So here's a quick example. It just allows you to do batch work. When you and I met about me having the wonderful honor of being on your show, we booked it for today. Now people will say sometimes, well, Chris, you know, I've got things with my clients and I can't control outside schedules, blah, blah, blah. So what happens is I, when I'm booking a podcast, I tend to book them six or eight weeks out. Cause what will happen is when I book that far out, then if four or five other people ask me to be on their show, I'm booking so far out, they usually have that time available. Right. So then what happens is on a day like today, I can do five or six shows that are going to air throughout the year, but it's somebody else's calendar. So that means, oh, I'm not talking to you and I'm dressed a certain way and I'm all about the book. And then the next hour I'm running around talking to a potential sales client. And then the year, like it just doesn't, it's not my best level of efficiency. It seems like a supply and demand thing almost where you're like, hey, if you have to have it now, if you need an hour today to do something, then you're going to get the least efficient hour, or maybe that you can't even fit it in there type. So you're saying, I mean, you're by scheduling it farther out, you're getting the best, you're getting the best price for it. You're buying futures on something almost. It's just, it's more efficient to, to book things out as far as possible. 
Well, for me, it's more efficient to book when I'm trying to get in other people's calendars and I'm trying to organize five people that are not connected. That's a good time to book something far out. But what I'm here to tell you is you are a smart person. You are a thinker. You're a visionary. And you have been flying. A lot of people in your position fly by the seat of their pants and they've been able to juggle and get this far. And I'm not saying you're not successful, but I am saying you could do more work in less time with some strategies in play. Because imagine you've got all these things working against you. Think of it like a glass of water. If you have a glass of water and you could take a sip of it, maybe water a plant, and then take a little bit of it and clean the desk and do a whole bunch of things to that glass of water. Or you could spill that glass of water over and it goes in different directions. Can Can you put some of that back in the glass and can you still get some use out of it? Yes. But without tipping it over, you're going to get so much more to that. So I would argue, Sky, you've got a lot of assets, but with some strategy, it's almost like if you were the high school champion at track and field, but we could get you to the Olympics. You've got raw talent. Now let's just make sure that we pull your elbows in a little bit, focus straight ahead, put, give you some strategies, and all of a sudden you're winning gold medals. Right, right. It, it makes me think of a lot of small business owners seem to they max themselves out because possibly what you're working on here, um, they value their ability to juggle and handle so much. Like I've seen it with salespeople as an analogy, a salesperson didn't want to use a CRM when I was, I was managing and training salespeople. And they said, you know, I just, I know all my clients, I got them in my head. I know what I need to do. And they said, great. And you have this many clients and you're selling this much, but what if you want to sell 10 times as much and manage 10 times as many clients? You're really proud of your ability to remember this stuff, but you probably want to get to a point that's beyond your ability to remember it. And so you need systems in place. You have to have this. And I think a lot of small business owners are proud of their ability to do the work, to do all the certain tasks that they're the ones that do them, but it limits the growth because you're always going to max yourself out at some point. And that's you know, basically how much of a superhuman are you? That's as big as you're going to get your company, unless you can mentally overcome that and realize, oh, or I can have other people do this and then I can grow much bigger. I don't have to be the, the whole engine myself kind of thing. Um, I don't think I have a question there. I just had a thought. You do, you brought, no, yeah. You brought up some really good points. One, I would say to you, listen, I always tell people, if you work with me one day, you'll hear me say businesses do not run a memory. That's they're not running memory. That's not a successful business. Secondly, I would tell you that the human brain will remember if you have a list of seven things that you know really well, it will constantly only remember four of those things and they will be four different things. Okay. So that's a big deal. And then also your mind is meant for like, you know, creating ideas, not for storing them. So that person that Mm. says, I have all that in my head, that's fine until, you know, whatever, if they get the common cold or they have to leave town two days because grandma's ill or whatever, it's not a business. They are a sufferpreneur and they are working way more hours than they need to be. So they, maybe they're putting in 12 hour days, but they could be putting in seven. So are they successful? Or they they could be putting in 12 if they really need to and getting three times as much done. Sure. Yeah. 100%. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Nice. Uh, I want to take a quick break and then, uh, and then we'll come right back. We're talking with Chris Ward here. We're talking about uh, personal efficiency and her new book, win the hour, win the day. We'll be right back. Are you looking for new leads or always in need of quality contacts for your marketing campaigns, but list companies and online tools are the worst, right? Well, then you've got to check out top data search by mountaintop data. 
At Mountaintop Data, we're a team of weird people that actually like getting our hands dirty with sales and marketing data, and we specialize in business contact information. We compile and maintain a database of tens of millions of targeted, high-quality business decision makers with emails, phone numbers, mailing address, and all the information you need. Go to topdatasearch.com and request a free account with the promo code IYM1000, like if you market the podcast here, and get a free account with unlimited searches, no seat fees, and 1,000 free record download credits. That's topdatasearch.com. So your business currently, can you tell me kind of what your company does? Yeah. So we help people, we help entrepreneurs stop working so hard. And we do that, you know, by creating a business that supports your life instead of consuming it. And we do that by helping them uh, build their win team, their what's next team. So we will find, hire, train, and onboard, uh, depending which, you know, whatever in the morning circle, we do that for one. If you're one-on-one coaching, we do that as many times as you need. And then that's really when it begins. And that's when we start creating super toolkits and teaching you how to do that. And really just taking all, all my clients tell me within the first month of working with us, they get 25 hours back a week. Mm-hmm. So we really just make it so all your ideas can get to execution, your hours decrease, you crush your demanding schedule, your profits go up and business should be fun. And you start having fun again because you had a job you left at some point. So this grinding it out thing, you thought you would do this until the business got off the ground. And all of a sudden you look, it's five, 10 years later. And that's just not a concept that we believe in. So it's interesting, Chris, in all the conversations I've had with you, you always seem to be so upbeat in high energy. And I just thought it was your personality. And now I'm starting to think, well, yeah, obviously there's personality, but it may just be that you get a good night's sleep and you're not working yourself to, it's like actually part of your business is, Hey, you could be this too. You could be happy and have energy and getting stuff done. Kind of. I, I am a high energy and I do. I'm very much trying to be a positive person. I will give you that. However, I tell you, to this day, I feel like a, a recovering rushaholic, but I feel like I had a friend who used to drink when he was younger. And he said to this day, I don't want, I like, I appreciate when I wake up and I'm not hungover. And to this day, when I wake up in the morning, I think, oh my God, it feels good to be rested. I had another night's sleep. This is amazing. It is so Oh my gosh, I went two years with, and the more you can't sleep, the more then you get insomnia. Cause like, that's the thing is the less you sleep, the less you can sleep. And so like, you know, you can't say, okay, I didn't sleep all week. I'll go to bed and have a good night's sleep. No, I back in the day, I would have need three nights sleep just to get tired. Cause I was so nauseous and sick all the time from being exhausted. So right? here's a, uh, here's a test that people can do who are unsure about what you're saying. When I was in college, I was younger and dumber. Um, one time I was up all night working on a project and I was, I was tired, but then by morning I felt like I had energy again yes. and I had this thought and I was like, Oh, interesting. Okay. I'm now I'm going off the classes and I just worked all night on this project and got like an extra eight, nine hours of work in. And I was like, now I feel awake. I wonder if like, I heard you could force insomnia. And I was like, if, if you force insomnia and you force yourself to be awake and, but insomnia, you still have energy, like you're, you're awake and alert. And, and I was like, let me try that. I could get so much more done. So I was not doing it thinking, let me see how bad an idea this is, but thinking, let me see how good an idea this is. What if I could like 
force insomnia during the week and then just sleep on the weekends. So I did. I forced insomnia. I stayed up the next night. I was very tired again. But then the actual insomnia thing seemed to kick in. And I had another day or two days of being very awake and alert and sharp, probably a day and a half. And then I started to decline heavily mentally and physically, but I still couldn't sleep. And I was like a walking zombie, but I couldn't fall asleep still. And it was almost like I did an internet challenge slash uh, science experiment to see, let's take what uh, Chris is saying here and take it to the opposite extreme um, to, to, to prove a point. It was horrific. It was so unproductive. It was so terrible. The work I got done in the first night was mediocre. Everything after that, regardless of how much energy I felt like I had, was was very subpar. And then I probably lost a week to a week and a half trying to recover physically and mentally. Um, just the, the, the straight days of having to be asleep once I could uh, from from this. It was it was horrific. It was terrible. And I was like, oh, that that. Yes, that was a, a terrible idea. I'm only semi-glad that I tried it and did it. Listen, we've all done that. I did some foolish things back in the beginning. And I would tell you, you know, I know in my brain, I thought, oh, they say all these things, studies or how you get emotionally sensitive and that your reflexes are slow <laughs> and the delayed cognitive thinking. There's all this study on the brain when you were sleep deprived. And I was like, but they don't understand. I'm so driven. I care so much. Somehow my brain is exempt from all these studies. Oh, I'm, my brain's super different and yeah. I'm better and I'm uh... Yeah, yeah. Some people can and only run so long and then there's people who I can do it because I care know? so much. And, yeah. and I remember times where my husband would speak to me about, you know, you're starting to stay up later and later, like an addict. Right. And then leave the computer and crawl into bed five minutes later. And I could still feel the blood rushing through my veins. And he'd say, you're going to make mistakes. And I'd be like, you have a job. You don't understand. I have a business. Like, and then I would find him this huge mistake the next morning. I'm like, well, I will take that to my grave because I'm not telling him he was right that I stayed up and did all that. Oh, so, so you did it, have some ego at some point. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I all have ego. The ego is, yeah, but the, I don't think the ego is attached to being needed. If you could say you can make more money in less time and be refreshed and have evenings and weekends off, I don't see a lot of egos getting in your way. That's my, but the my, Silicon my Valley, uh, response to that would be okay so what if instead of making more money in less time how about you do the same amount of time or even more time and make even more money then that's they, not the ambition they, of they leave the out the other thing you might do personally with that time because that doesn't exist in the brag about how many hours of work a day i work well those are not the people i work with the people i work with have fulfilling lives that they now realize they have been missing the last couple of years and that or they want, want to have get- those yeah they want to get back to their hobbies, to their scuba diving, to their bicycling, they're spending Sundays with their parents, you know, visiting grandma, doing whatever. So yeah, it really is having a business that supports your life instead of consuming it. So I feel like we're um, amazingly running out of time here. Uh, there's a couple of things I want to get to. Sure. Several times you've brought up this super toolkits. Yeah. Which seems like it's a thing but I don't think anybody else knows what it is. I'm sure it's thoroughly described in your book and in what you do with training with people in, 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 in your business. But can you tell the listeners, what does that mean? What's a super toolkit? So a super toolkit is a very, uh, it's our signature program. It's a very elevated process, really taking 
as I said over and over again, standard operating procedures are limited. They're, they're not written by the end user. They're static in nature and they tend to cover liability. And super toolkits are evolving, breathing document that enhance the momentum and the success of your business while decreasing the amount of input needed, but increasing the output. And Can it you give is me one a- mini example. Well, those are a lot of words, but the listeners are like, yeah, but what does that mean? (laughs) So it just means that you can do more and more work in less time and get on to the next thing. And that everything that we do takes more or takes less and less brain power. I mean, you mentioned being live, you know what, we're now on TikTok. And even though it's new for us, what happens is I'm going to get way more traction on somebody else that's new on TikTok because I have this process, how we do anything with a super toolkit. So it allows us to put things in play much quicker and and accelerate our success and remove any hiccups really quickly because you really solve a problem. Your business started to solve a problem and you want to be having all your time focusing on that, not on hiccups or nuisances. So what you want to do is lean into what you do well and minimize any possible issues. And then you're also not pointing at different team members. You're looking at the system. How can we make the system more and more efficient? So any uh, one last thing, any particular technologies, tech stack that come into play in, I mean, normally we're talking about CRMs and marketing tech stacks and those kind of things, but for, for efficiency, um, I'll, you know, one I could start with is saying probably Calendly or a similar calendar scheduling type, um, type of an app, or maybe you'd say, no, absolutely not. But can you give some, some texts that people Uh, that you'd recommend people use to to help with this stuff? Yeah. So one thing I do want to pre-qualify before you say that, I get that question a lot. What I would say to you is just because you have something in automation, think of like a big factory where you got a machine, you know, that machine maybe can produce a lot more work than, you know, whatever, replacing a bunch of employees, but you have to have somebody to supervise that automation and make sure it doesn't break down. So sometimes people lean into automation a little bit more when you still need that system in play to supervise it and make sure there's no hiccups. So everything can't effectively just like, oh, that's the problem. So many people run out and buy new technology and then run around that didn't work and spend more and takes four months to learn it. And then once I learn it, it'll be fine. So anything that we teach our clients in the winner's circle is either free or next to free, and you should be able to implement it in five minutes or less. So what I would say is what we talked about earlier is 90% of people are struggling with the demands of their day are not using their free Google calendar as a time bank account. And you will see your life so much more clearly when you realize, oh my gosh, no wonder I wasn't getting all this stuff done. If I put it in increments of time, I was trying to do a 27 hour day. It's like in 12 hours, the math just is against me. Right. So really lean into that free tool. It's super powerful. Now my company, we use office 365. Would the calendar in there be just the same kind of any free calendar is fine. Um, you know, I've had clients when they start working with us and they're using a paper calendar, but the problem with that is you lose it. You're in a hot mess and you can't, so not any free can the one you get from a real estate agent. No, no, but any digital. (laughs) Yeah. And another tool I just think people underuse is loom L O O M. It's a screen capture thing. And what I would say is 
you can just send somebody, it's so much easier to send somebody a Loom video and say, hey, see this thing over here? Would you mind if you move that? Because I think it would look better on the Canva graphic than over here. Instead of typing that out, people read it in the tone of what's just happened to them, their own internal mm. dialogue. They come off defensive. You can it. talk a lot more words and have a lot more influx and messaging in those words than you can in text. It also takes longer to write it out. Like 50 words per minute is fast You typer. also end up getting five emails or slacks or whatever you want to yeah, do yeah. or combination of back and forth and back and forth. Cause you typed it out. They don't understand, or you didn't give context yes. and they respond back and there's miscommunication, misunderstanding. And it's just like, yeah, the one quick video with uh, something like loom I've, I've worked with people using that. I've got yeah. to check it out for us now. We, we use something, something different, but maybe similar, but same concept. Yeah. Screen capture. Quick just like easy. saying Google calendar loom or any other yeah. Quickly I use Loom because video. it will tell you when the person opened it and it's free mm. and you just hit a button. I want something really simple. You just hit a button, start recording, stop the button. And then they let you know, you've been notified when they open it. So it's very super simple. It's all about free next to free or something that would take you five minutes. Yeah. You said the magic F word free. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So Loom and then uh, that, I think that's a good thing to leave okay. off on other than saying, your book, win the hour, win the day. People should, uh, should check that out. I don't want it to end up plugging loom as the last thing we do. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Then, I appreciate it. What we'll have a lot more on the show notes for this episode on, on Chris and on your company, Chris, but, uh, what free gift from chris.com. We have that website for people to go check out. Yeah. I'm not there's even some goodies. sure what's there, but it starts the word free. There's some goodies there that we normally still charge for, like the free audio version to my book. So you might want to go what? there quickly. Oh, and here's a tip for people. Get the free audio version. Listen to it at one and a half speed and you'll yes. get even more time. Um, so win the hour, win the day.com. Also your website, you have a podcast. We'll put a link to that. Um, your podcast, can you tell the listeners really quick? What do you guys talk? Yeah, about? my podcast is just general business. We get a lot of compliments that you can listen to it and try something immediately. It's not about all this productivity or team building stuff. It could be anything from sales to social media. And people tell us all the time. They appreciate that. It's solid, tangible takeaways that you can try right away. So check that out. Win the hour, win the day podcast. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, um, thank you for sharing us on social media listeners. Thank you for telling your friends. Thank you for giving us good reviews on iTunes or wherever you listen to us. And on behalf of the If You Market team and Chris Ward uh, of, uh, oh my God, of Chris Ward of, I don't even know. Win the hour, you, win Chris. the day. <laughs> Chris Ward of win the hour, win the day. Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it with efficiency, they will come.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.